faith here with a welcome toast. It was Fernand Pointe who said, I like to start off my day with a glass of champagne. I like to wind it up with champagne, too. To be frank, I also like a glass or two in between. It may not be the universal medicine, but it does you less harm than any other liquid. Please feel free to consume this show podcast in small bites or eat the whole thing. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. It's great to have you joining the party on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze, where we invite you to eat, drink, and be merry with us. We have all kinds of things coming up on this show. We're testing out a couple of olive oils, one from Georgia, which is a green peanut oil, and one from Jovial Foods, which is based right here in Connecticut. They also have production in Tuscany and Italy. Beautiful, beautiful olive oil. So we're going to taste test those on the show. We're going to get into hearty, luscious soups because it's that time of year. And if you're counting calories, you can make these so filling and so delicious. We have the author of Vittles, Appalachian food and all the special uh, treats from that region. And so that's in our third segment I am with my food buddies, Chris Prosperi of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, and Alex Province, wine broker in Hartford, Robin Doyen Aiken, senior producer of the show. And we're going to get into soups, but first... It is that time of year. If you want to surprise someone for Valentine's Day earlier in the week, February 9th to be exact, we are doing it again. This is always a sellout. It's the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze signature event, our heart-to-heart champagne dinner dance. Where else can you go to a dinner dance? I think that's why it sells out, and the food is delicious. Mm. The area's top chefs all come together. And this time, the theme is going to be a night in Italy. So there are going to be amazing dishes paired with luscious wines. February 9th, 6 p.m. at the River House at Goodspeed Station. It is so beautiful to be in at that time of year. And we want to say thanks to our presenting sponsors, Yukon Health Calhoun Cardiology Center, with additional support from the River House, Fasha's Chocolates, and Power Station Events. I'm going to give you an online site for reservations. But we're working on the menu right now. I'm going to tell you soon what's on that menu. But Very I'm cool. thinking about dishes from Lydia Bastianich. Oh, yeah. I am thinking about the lemon risotto that we had in Italy oh. and that I have oh. in New York. These beautiful wines to pair with this food. Yeah. I'm thinking about chocolate oh, and, and cakes. Desserts. And oh Jeez. boy, this yeah. is going to be something. And of course, that champagne coming in the door and the hors d'oeuvres and the dress is anything you want it to be as festive as you want or as down home as you want it's up to you here is the website for reservations visit wnprheart2heart.org that's wnprheart2heart.org 
hearttoheart.org. And we hope to see you there. We know it's going to be a sellout, so jump right in, my yeah, friends. Yeah, we're going to mm. be there. Dancing. Yeah, <laughs> we are. We, we do. We dance like crazy oh, all night geez. long. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Oh, soups, let's get into this oh, because it's them. that time of year, whether you're watching calories because you're thinking about getting into a bathing suit, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> if you are just wanting the warmth, the comfort, and often the ease mm. of what a stewy, luscious mm. soup can do. We have recipes for you on the site, foodschmooze.org. We're going to be talking about our soup favorites that we make. Alex is going to bring back his winter gazpacho. I challenged him to do it, and he did it last year. It is absolutely delicious. Chris, we just had his soups, and they're knockouts. We got one from Robin that she's going to talk about. And on Facebook, if you'd like to join us, we want to hear from you. All right, let's start with your pasta fazool, Chris. This was so So good. It It was. Classic, too, right? And for the winter, hearty. And I have one trick that I use, and it's not in the classic, but I put it in this one, and it just makes it for me. And that's pepperoni. Oh, it really it has a stick of pepperoni that I chop up into little pieces, and it just adds to the flavor of the so, broth. So pasta fazool for people who have just been living on another planet, perhaps, <laughs> is kind of a bean soup yeah. with lots of vegetables. It's a little and, ditalini pasta. Yep, and unfailingly delicious. But Chris, you knocked it out of the park right. with this one. Ready? Olive oil in a pan with onion, carrot celery and that one stick diced up of pepperoni Mm. all go in the pan together and you just saute that for a few minutes to get it all going and then I hit it with a little bit of white wine that gives it a nice acidic bump and then um, one can of tomatoes chopped tomatoes whether peeled unpeeled chopped whole it doesn't matter I like the chopped ones because you have to do the least to them so all you have to do is open the can dump it right in and that's with my the juice kind of, and everything. With the juice and everything. You don't have to strain them. You don't have to chop them. You don't have to do anything. And then I use three different kinds of beans. I use red beans, kidney beans, and pink beans. But and do you buy them in a can? I buy them in a can. And then those rinse I don't. Them. I don't even rinse them. I just dump them. If there's nothing in the can but the, look at the ingredients. If it's just salt and beans and water, you don't have to rinse them. With the liquid or? No, no, no liquid. Just no drain liquid. them. Okay. And then put them right in there. And then I add a 32-ounce box of chicken broth. Get a good one with you know low amounts of sodium. Kitchen Basics, my favorite, but Swanson's. I mean, there's so many out there that are good right now. And then a little bit of water just to, you know, lessen the sodium of those box broths. And then I cook that until everything is nice and soft. And then I add a little of fresh oregano. Mm. And then the pasta, which I've pre-cooked, I add that right at the end. And then dollop pesto on top. Oh, it, right? that oh yeah. That's so what takes good. it home. The pesto yeah. takes it home. And you can do right? store-bought pesto. Of course, of course. There's so many good brands. Oh, my. It was really, really good, Chris. Right? It, was, it feels so filling. Hugs you. And yet, <laughs> yeah. it feels like it's good for you. Yeah. And uh, I just really love it. fun it. to say. Pasta fazool. Pasta yeah, fazool. Yeah, that's what's for dinner. People always do this as appetizers. I mean, I don't know. I think this is the way I eat. This is a meal. Oh, for definitely. Soup as bread dinner. and a glass we're, of wine. This yeah. is what we're doing on this show. Mm-hmm. Soup as dinner. Mm-hmm. Soup as the main meal. So we think of it as soup is really a stew. What's the difference between those two things? Because mm-hmm. I like to put protein in my soup. And, you know, a fair amount of it, along with all the vegetables and things. So what's the difference? This is soup as a meal, and it's hot right now. (laughs) Okay, here we go. (laughs) Here we go. All right, Alex, take us to Spain. You know, surprisingly in Spain, they eat soup. That's their main dish every day for lunch. Visiting my grandmother in Sevilla, you would have... um, what they call like garbanzo, you know, cocido, and every meal at lunchtime is soup. 
And you have this recipe on our website, too. So describe the bean soup sure. that you're making right now. In the northwest part of Spain in Galicia, they make their own, this broth called caldo gallego. It's a white bean soup. And you soak white beans, in, and they probably had different ones in Spain, but you can use navy beans or whatever ones you find at the grocery store. You soak them overnight. You put them in a stock pot. You put in a chunk of pancetta, a you know a few pork ribs, all this stuff you can find at the grocery store. It's that like meaty, bony chunks of stuff. So you need pork, beef. You can put some bacon in if you want, and you just bring it up to a boil. As soon as it's boiling, you turn down the heat, and you want to clean it up, get the foam you know that comes off the like you would any other soup. And this is going to cook for maybe an hour and a half. You can put in a chorizo, like a whole chorizo that you get at the grocery store. So just put the whole thing in uncut. The whole uncut. Just nice. if, if it's the uncured kind, yeah, yeah. then poke a few holes in the casing. Because yeah. otherwise it expands up. and blows up when you try to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and you can also use the cured, the cured one too. Yeah, you just cured. put it in. About an hour and a half in, two hours in, you can take you know, a big, huge bundle of kale or turnip, you know, greens or Swiss chard or spinach if you want. And this stuff is going to dissipate. You put in a huge amount. Cram it in there. And you fill it to the top (laughs) of the stock pot. And it's going to seem like it's absurd, but trust me. And then you take some potatoes and they'll peel the potatoes. And like my grandpa does, when they cut, they take a paring knife. They start cutting through the potato. And then when they get to the very end, they snap the knife. So it comes off as a chip. And I don't know why they believe this, but they don't cut all the way through. And supposedly it thickens up the soup. But So you pile a couple of pounds of potatoes on top. You put the lid on and you cook it for another 45 minutes to an hour. And what you get when you take the lid off is the greens have disappeared into this beautiful broth. The beans are so flavorful and rich and nutritious. The potatoes just disappear. Oh, my gosh. And I didn't mention anything about olive oil or garlic or onions. A lot of these dishes, the simpler they are, are, yeah, the better, better they are. The recipes, you know, on the website. I, yes, the actual... it is. Food, why didn't we ask you to bring it? <laughs> yeah. Foodschmooze.org. Next time I want that. <laughs> I Chris wants um, someone to cook for him for a change. Yeah, exactly. That sounds awesome. And, that is really and, good. Because yeah. my grandma makes it, I think it's healthy. Well, <laughs> sure. Yeah, you go with that. Well, I, yeah, I mean, well, well nothing about me. it sounded unhealthy. Yeah. yeah. So here is a soup that I love to make, and I just made this the other night, and it's you know Thai supposedly. This is adapted from an Epicurious recipe last year. It's chicken kind of stew with coconut milk, and broccoli, and coriander and lime. A lot of this is store-bought because there's a green curry paste. We're in the market. We saw green curry paste in a jar in the international section. Every supermarket has it. You put that in with the coconut milk, and you can use frozen broccoli or fresh broccoli for something like this because in the end, you're going to put it in batches into the blender and make a creamy soup out of it, and then you're going to add the shredded chicken, rotisserie chicken. Mm -hmm. So um, some people have an immersion blender. I didn't have one at my disposal. And then at the very end, a squeeze of fresh lime. So um, yeah, and and the coconut milk is just really a nice touch. And when you add the lime to it, it really does make it. And you could, if you're someone who likes a little bit of heat or a little snap in something, you Mm -hmm. could throw in some, you know, little pepper flakes. uh, Yeah, sure. So uh, spinach leaves in here, cilantro, scallions, 
Some people do crispy onions. The original recipe called for that, you know, crispy shallots that you sprinkle on the top. When I made it, I didn't do that. You know, I kind of forgot that step, and I just thought, oh, whatever, I don't feel like doing that. (laughs) But it is hearty. You can put as much shredded chicken. I put tons in the soup because it really makes me feel like I'm having a main meal. And then there's the whole broth around it. So my soup is stew-like, and it is pretty darn good. You know, you can fool with it. Yeah. You know, add your own. I added the chicken to the original recipe that wasn't in there. And you know, if you're tired of chicken, we were saying to each other, oh my God, we could add shrimp yeah, to sure. this. It would be fantastic. Or, or scallops. Or an yeah, egg. Chunks of. You know, yeah. raw eggs sort of yeah. at the end. Oh, that's yeah. a good Just idea. Sure. Okay, so I like you could fool too. with this. This is oh, on right, the website. Yeah. Oh. Right, if you took peanuts and cooked them in there yeah. or, and then sprinkled a little bit off. There's so much you can do with coconut milk. Okay, so that recipe, mm. Thai coconut, chicken, broccoli, and coriander soup with fresh lime. In other words, cilantro. If you don't like cilantro, put parsley in. That's on the website, foodschmooze.org. What are we doing? We are celebrating soup on the show today, soup as a main meal. And the idea, Chris, is right to make tons of it, make a double batch if you Uh can, make extra no Uh matter what, and then into containers, even Ziploc bags when it cools down, and into the freezer it goes. And then you can just pull it out as the weeks go on if you get tired of it because you've had it too much in one week. In a couple weeks, three (laughs) weeks, a month, you're going to want that again. Snow days, that's when I bring it out. (laughs) And it only gets better. There you go. So on our frozen containers, I take a piece of like butcher's tape and I'll write whatever the soup is and then I'll put a parenthesis who made it and then I'll say like if it's good or excellent to entice me when it's a frozen (laughs) block. (laughs) Oh, this one says good on it. (laughs) Then, Then do you get depressed the other way? You know, yeah, you're like, like all that's like, left uh, is the bad is, soup. This is <laughs> like no bad soup. Food though. affective disorder. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's just an okay <laughs> soup okay. tonight. <laughs> that's funny. That's actually a good idea. Do you put the dates on? Because yeah. I, yeah, yeah. you know, okay. Yeah. So Robin Doyen Aiken. Our favorite soup, the one that Steve makes in our house, is a lentil soup. Oh, my favorite. Yeah, and the recipe originally is from Epicurious. If you went to Epicurious and just put in lentil soup, you're going to find the one that we make. It's the most plain, simple one. But you have it on the website. We have a few adaptations. The one on Epicurious calls for chicken broth, but we we just go out all out vegetarian and use vegetable broth because we just like it better. Super simple, lentils, celery, carrots, a bay leaf. Mm. You know, salt, pepper, couple spices, and our kids, they have an aversion to lentils, so it's just Steve and I. We make a huge batch, eat it that night, usually a Sunday night because we let it cook for a long time, maybe an hour it cooks for. Mm. We have half then and freeze the other half from later and in the week. Do you vary it from year to year? I mean, do you find, you know, you don't even look at the recipe anymore, you just start throwing it together, and then it's find yourself adding things? By now, it's like Steve kind of sticks to his basic one. Because we, we've got it the way we like it it's now. It's a tradition. Yeah. Steve makes it the same way every time, and I love it. I look forward to it every time. I know. And do you freeze? Yes. I see that you can play with yours, too. Just the way you can play with any of these soups we've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, I've oh, seen... I, I was thinking hers putting his chorizo sausage like he had in the beans. He wants yeah. to put it in I everything. I know you got to have it And now. I would add one clove of garlic. Garlic, yeah. But not chop it up so you can fish it out but, after. What, but what I like about Robin's, uh, besides that it just sounds good, and its simplicity I like because you're mm-hmm. going to be able to taste all the things in it. But I like it that there's a vegetarian one here among all of ours. Mm-hmm. 
we ate so many lentils growing up. My mom swears that they are so rich in iron. So supposedly, you know, it's important to eat your lentils. <laughs> I just love it because it really feels like a meal. You know, yeah. if you have a bowl of lentil soup and a little crusty bread, yeah. you, you know, when you're done, you don't feel like, you know, you want a pork chop or something after. Mm-hmm. It's like that really was dinner. Yeah, I'm in bowl the rest of the night. Lentils do that. I think that's right. Mm -hmm. And it's so much fun when you do have leftovers with a soup like this. It just gets better. And you can bring a container to work the next day. Just pop it in the work microwave the way we do here. And you're good to go. I really like that. So we've got more soups coming up. We've got an olive oil tasting, and we have a peanut oil discovery from Georgia, an amazing farm in Georgia. It's remarkable green peanut oil. This is something. I read about this. Everybody was talking about it. I called the farmer, and he said, yep, I'll get you a bottle. He said, it's very hard to come by right now. New York Times did something on this. And uh, he said, but I'll sneak a bottle. And he did. It's arrived, and we want to tell you all about this and this olive oil from Tuscany. That's part of our celebration of Italy, that dinner dance we're going to do on February 9th. And we hope you'll join us. For tickets, wnprhearttoheart.org. More mouth-watering conversation and fun ahead on the Faith Middleton Food Schmooze. I hope you will make a charitable contribution to Feed the Hungry. We're online now at foodschmooze.org with all of our soup recipes and more to come. We'll be right back. podcast for you, meaning you won't miss a drop of pleasure on this show. Uh, It simply means that we can send you the show. You sign up for it once and then boom, it just arrives on your smart device and you can listen whenever you want on your schedule. It's the way more and more people, as in almost everybody does (laughs) now. Um, So you just go to foodschmooze.org and you'll see that just says sign up. And it's not a way for us to send you 15 million things. We just give you the podcast. So we are always online, as you know, at foodschmooze.org. And I'm with my treasured food buddies. We have a new one. (laughs) (laughs) You know we're with Chris Prosperi, chef and co-owner of Metro Beast Restaurant in Simsbury, Connecticut, wine broker Alex Province. And we also have Mark Raymond, who is a wine broker here from, from, who lives in Wethersfield. All of our senior contributors, Robin Doyon Aiken is here, senior producer of the show. We're going to get back to more soups. What we have coming up and these are all on the website we have one from chris prosperi 
his pozole, and you can get it in a can in many, many supermarkets. We're going to explain explain that to you. Mm-hmm. I challenged Alex Province last year, was it? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yep. last year. Last year, I said, I challenge you, since you have the award-winning summer gazpacho, can you use canned tomatoes and make a killer winter gazpacho? And he did it. It's fantastic, and we're repeating it this year. So Alex is going to tell yeah. us about that. And Mark, you're going to tell us about... Cullen Skink. I just love the name. <laughs> Say it again. Skink. Cullen Skink. This is the food of my people. This is from Scotland. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. Scotland. <laughs> Cullen Skink. Oh, it is love so it. good. I just, just love wanna, saying it. You just want to make it. <laughs> I just want to tell people that's what's for dinner. Cullen Skink. It's Come a Cullen on over. Skink You're having party. what? <laughs> Cullen Skink. And we're going to tell you about a new soup place that is opened in the West Village in New York. And Oh, yes. In our next segment, we have Ronnie Lundy, who has done a book of, from the Appalachian Mountains, and it's called Vittles. We look at it and think it says victuals, <laughs> but it's Vittles. That's how it's set. So we're going to get to all that. Let's do quickly our olive oil tasting. We've got Jovial brand. This is a company that is based both in Italy, in Tuscany, and in Stonington, Connecticut. Oh, uh, we mm, love okay. these folks. And you know we love Ariston olive oil yep. from Greece. Beautiful stuff. And the person who brings that in, Tomas Dukas, mm-hmm. lives in Weathersfield, and he wow. introduced that oil to us years ago. Years ago, Still and love we it. are persistent champions of that olive oil. It's terrific. Here's a new one. Uh, this is Jovial. This isn't brand new, but their new season of olive oil has just come out, and this is organic, extra virgin olive oil, first cold pressed. And they do the ancient varieties of olives, Favarol, Grignano, Nostrano. And those olives were brought by the Romans to the Veneto region about a thousand years ago. What Jovial does is they try to preserve the ancient traditions and they work with the local farmers and we just tasted this one and it has that little pepper kick Mm, at the end and i thought it was really really good Mm -hmm. so that's jovial brand it's organic and we told you about this olive oil right online foodschmooze.org okay here we have this is this is the drum roll right this we is need, another this is one chevy chase yeah, yeah. this is totally new okay there's a place in georgia in pitts georgia and they have it's called oliver farm it's a heritage farm mm-hmm. and the man who runs that farm somehow thought to himself not just that i'm going to do a peanut oil you know, that wouldn't surprise do. you from Georgia. Oh, yeah. He said, I'm going to do a green peanut oil. He's picking huh. the peanuts really young yeah. and making this most fabulous. Delicate. Oh, my goodness. Right. It Aromatic. is unbelievable. Aromatic. It's green peanut oil. It's from Oliver Farm. They press it right locally and bottle it right there in Pitts, Georgia. And they are uh, five generations on this this farm, hundreds of years at this place. And he's very, very proud of it. And the place went crazy because the New York Times did something on this and said it was quite good. And it was so intriguing to me that I called the man, the farmer, the next morning, said, congratulations. And it sounded like... 
it was chaos where he was. And he said, I, I, the phone has to stop ringing. <laughs> I have one mm. bottle left. I said to him, I said to him, well, I'm going to do that to you again. <laughs> I said, because when our food schmooze people get a hold of this, it is delicious. We love it. What would you drizzle this green oh, peanut oil on? I because call these finishing. This is a small bottle. It's yeah. A, yeah. I call these finishing oils. These are not things that you want to cook with or saute with or, or even blend into a salad dressing. These are things you just want to drizzle over things. Hmm. What, like, what, yeah. I, I keep thinking of a fish, like a pan-seared light fish. Like, like a flounder? A, a flounder or a cod or a sole Ooh. or something like that. Or even salmon would do it too. Oh, and yeah. then just before you serve it, just take a little quarter teaspoon of this stuff and just drizzle it over each filet. Oh, and nice. the aroma, right? I think Robin said it. It has more in the nose than it does in the taste. I'm telling you, when this stuff hits you, it just makes you hungry. Nice. It really does. And right. I would drizzle it on um, one of my favorite soups to make in the winter is this African peanut stew, which has peanut butter in it and chopped oh, peanuts. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's, and you, that would just you can finish find it right off. I yeah. would put just a light drizzle yeah. on the top of each bowl just before serving. It would be incredible and give it a, a, quite a richness. So extraordinary. I'd, yeah. I'd fry an Elvis Presley peanut butter and <laughs> banana <laughs> sandwich in, in it. it. Wow. <laughs> peanut with peanut with peanut. Mm. Decadent. <laughs> okay. No, I think everyone needs to try this because so, it's a new flavor. So we me, have right? all of these. Yeah. Uh, really these we have these posted on, on the website right now, foodschmooze.org. Mm. Okay, here we go. We want to get back to soups. Yeah. And Mark has got quite a doozy over there. <laughs> um, so we're going to get to that. But we want to talk with you on Facebook about what soups yeah. you are making. I mean, Favorites. what is your... We, this is soup as a meal. Tis Do you season. have yeah. a yeah. soup as a meal that is that is filling, is luscious? This isn't about deprivation. This isn't about just sitting around having a broth. No. You want to feel like you're having a Hardy. meal. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people are concerned with calories this time mm. of year and I think these soups are a great way to feed yourself richly and yet not get overwhelmed. They're very filling. Yeah. You need to make Feel them delicious. Satisfied. They're satisfying. Some people get very into cleaning the toxins. As I don't, never know mm. what that means from, <laughs> from their bodies. And I think, isn't that magical? Yeah. Isn't that what you're just And so they just like clear broth. And I think more power to you. But yeah. I, I can't do that. I'm just looking around for what... For now the it's, brownies on the now counter. Now it's time for an ice cream sundae is what I say if I just have broth. Anyway. I just love uh, the whole idea of just warming you up for that. You know, it's a snowy day on a Sunday afternoon or Saturday or any day for that matter. <laughs> And you just get to warm up and have a nice and we were saying warm earlier, bowl Mark, of soup. Yeah, you can do extra. You don't make a soup without doing extra because you can oh, just yeah. throw it in the freezer and have it all the time. And so And Alex um, was saying when we ate the soup, as soon as we finished, he's like I'm warm. I'm yeah. hot. I'm like, yeah. it, it warms you up from the inside out on those chilly days where you can't, like we had one the other day where it was just raw outside. Oh, Not yeah. Not cold, but that raw feeling you could never warm up. You eat a bowl of soup like these, and then all of a sudden you warm up from the inside out. Think it's of all just... the money you save on the thermostat. <laughs> just eat hot soup. Keep the house at all 55. All <laughs> So I want to tell you, um, uh, please talk with us right now on Facebook, because we're having this conversation, all of us, about how to do a soup as a meal, especially this part of the year. 
and what is delicious to you? How do you do it? What's your favorite? Is there a place you go that makes an incredible soup? And, you know, you think, Mm -hmm. I'm taking this home. What is that? You know, what are you doing with soups this time of year? What do you store in the freezer? Give us your ideas, no matter how unusual. And we're on Facebook at Faith Middleton Food Schmooze on Facebook. Talk with us right now about your favorite soup and how you do it. Okay, Mark Raymond, senior contributor. So I have friends that live up on the island of Grand Manan, which is just off the coast of Bar Harbor in Maine. And it's actually part of Canada. Uh, and their names are the Cronks. They come down, you know, th- three, four times a year to visit their daughter who lives close to us. And uh, so they always ask, hey, what can we bring you? What can we bring you? Because they have amazing seafood up there. So they brought me back some smoked haddock. And I love to eat it just as it is. Mm. It's almost like fish beef jerky. It's mm. absolutely mm. delicious with that wonderful smokiness. Mm-hmm. But I looked up a recipe. It comes from Scotland. It's called Cullen Skink. That's C-U-L-L-E-N. S-K-I-N-K. And this is on our website, foodschmooze.org. Go ahead. And the ingredients are pretty simple. It's a pound of smoked haddock, whole milk, but you don't have to use whole milk. It's got butter, a diced onion, or you could use leeks, and then two large potatoes, salt and pepper, and then fresh parsley. And you put it all together, and you have this amazing... Do do you chop up the smoked haddock? So you start by simmering the smoked haddock in either water or your milk. And then you pull that aside, and then you take the fish out of that. And then you, you know, go back into your pan with the onions and the potatoes, and you just kind of saute that all up with the butter. And then you throw back in, you flake the fish apart, put it in there, pour your your Mm. milk or water broth back into it, and then you just kind of let it simmer oh. for a little while. Wow. Put a, I, I put in a bay leaf. Yeah. It's, it's like a fish chowder, mm-hmm. smoked fish chowder. Yeah. A and it is smoked so fish delicious. I like it. And I love the name. What a good yeah. idea. One more, one more time. So yeah. it's from, the I guess, the region of Cullen in Scotland. That's where it gets its name. Yeah. The name Skink uh, refers to uh, you know a part of uh, I guess the fish uh, bones or uh, <laughs> it's a it's a local dialect I could really understand. It's complicated. Uh, it's complicated. It was complicated. But you know what? You've given us something to serve to our friends, and they're going to be like, "Huh? Wow. We're having Colin Skink tonight. Come on!" But I tell you, my kids absolutely love this. Oh, sure, because it's Did fish they? chowder. Yeah. yeah, because it is. And that smokiness. Would you put a little corn, a little canned corn? or something you could do that i was thinking you know frozen bacon a little oh (laughs) everything's better with bacon oh it really would be good it really would be good smoky bacon yeah simmer that bacon in with the onions Mm -hmm. and then put everything back together wow i love this okay that's a great idea and and you if you don't have a friend in uh, this place in Maine, don't forget, <laughs> you can get a lot of fish markets carry can get you, smoke yeah. haddocks. Absolutely. Smoke haddocks. And oyster yeah, crackers. Yeah. And, uh, oyster yeah. crackers, of course, to <laughs> yeah. finish. Ah, that or just good. a nice little wedge of bread, you know, yeah, crispy bread, crusty bread. Yeah, so bread. the Soak recipe for yeah. Cullen Skink and all the other soups <laughs> we've been talking about on the show, if you're just joining us, we had uh, Alex's, uh, how do we say it in uh, Spanish, bean soup? Caldo with, Gallego. Caldo Gallego. And mm-hmm. uh, we had uh, Robin's lentil. We had uh, Chris's pasta pajol. Pasta we had Cullen skink. Yeah. And we had my uh, coconut the, lime, yeah, which chicken, looks chicken, coconut milk, lime, oh, yeah. chicken, coriander business uh, with the shredded rotisserie chicken. So you I don't love have to that make idea. anything. <laughs> you just buy the green curry paste. It just comes together <laughs> I beautifully. Like easy soups. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, and broccoli. Yeah. So that's the other thing in the soup. You can use frozen if you want. Okay, all those soups are posted. You're talking with us. We love it on Facebook at Faith Middleton Food Schmooze because we want to hear from you about your soups. In about a minute, we're going to talk with uh, Ronnie Lundy, who is the author of Vittles, uh, and it's the food of Southern Appalachia. And she might have a couple ideas for us about about soup. But let me tell you that there is a, a soup place that is opened in the West Village in New York called Good Stock. And they make their soup out in this commissary in, in, in Queens. And then there's this new food hall at Grand Central Terminal right next door. It's called Urban Space Vanderbilt. And they sell the soups there. And there's a roasted tomato, ribolita, kimchi, and their special is a gumbo. And you just sit at these big communal tables. Pretty cool. Uh, good stock in the West Village and also at Urban Space uh, Food Hall at Grand Central Terminal if you want to just take containers home with you. Nice. Okay. Nice. So um, before we go to our new cookbook, we want to say special thanks to Paula Pierce and Jason Black they are our associate recipe editors. So that's how those recipes get on <laughs> our food right. site. Paul Pierce and Jason uh-huh. Black, we adore you uh, for doing this. And um, uh, we, we bet you're a little famous now. That's what we think is <laughs> They're famous to me. <laughs> They're famous <laughs> to me, too. They're rock stars, we say, about them. Okay, here we go. Alex's Winter Gazpacho is next. We love the local. Please support your local food growers and food makers for an on-demand podcast of the show go to foodschmooze.org where you see all of our recipes and all kinds of recommendations and we'll be right back is the Food Schmooze Party, offering the richness of life and coming to you in Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, and New York. New York means Westchester County, the east end of Long Island. That's the Hamptons, of course, included, so south and north forks. The senior producer is Robin Doyon Aiken, and to hear the show on WNPR, it airs Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. You can see everything we talk about all of our curated recommendations at foodschmooze.org. That's where everybody goes, and we love talking with you there and on Facebook. Okay, uh, in just a moment, we're going to speak with Ronnie Lundy, the author of Vittles. 
But first, quick on this soup, Alex, I challenged you last year to make a winter gazpacho. So how could you take canned tomatoes and turn it into something we love as much as we love summer gazpacho? And you did it. So we're going to bring that back again this year. That recipe is on the site. Tell us how you did it. It's so easy. So on a big baking sheet, take garlic, some onion, little onions that you roughly chop, a red pepper, some potatoes that you peel. You're going to coat it with olive oil, a little salt, roast it for 30 minutes, and you're going to carefully put that into a blender. You're going to take your can, your 20-ounce can of whole tomatoes, and Diane on the website suggested using the fire-roasted tomatoes, which seems like a great idea. You're going to blend that together. You're going to, with it running, like you would the summer gazpacho, you're going to drizzle your olive oil in and a couple tablespoons of red wine vinegar, and that's it. The hot vegetables that have been blistered and roasted and covered with olive oil are going to heat up the tomato, and you end up with this just creamy, rich, wow. decadent I winter gazpacho. Mm. I love that. A big loaf of and it thick was, bread with oh, yeah. butter and how good mm. is that going to be? It's amazing. Or that grilled cheese on the side. Different than the summer one, but just as good. Just uh, in a yeah. different way, right? Yeah. 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 I think he hit the, it out of the park. The, I, I, I was too. inspired. My grandpa used the potatoes. So yeah. That's where I got the idea. That was a real, it's a good ah. way to thicken rather than mm-hmm. just putting bread mm-hmm. in the way that people do. Excellent, excellent Thank job. You. When we had it last year, we couldn't believe it. Oh. It was just a knockout. So on the website for you right now, foodschmooze.org. And also, speaking of websites, if you're just joining the show, people pile in every 15 minutes. We wanted to say that you can surprise somebody because Valentine's Day week, February 9th, we're doing it again. It's a Faith Middleton Foodschmooze signature event, heart-to-heart champagne dinner dance. And top chefs create these amazing dishes, course after course, with uh, wines from Santa Carolina, thanks to Mark Raymond, our wine broker. And the theme this year is a night in Italy. And, oh, boy, Mm. you are going to see some dishes. Think of the most beautiful Italian food. That is February 9th, 6 p.m. at the Riverhouse at Goodspeed Station. We want to say thanks to presenting sponsor Yukon Health Calhoun Cardiology Center with support from the Riverhouse, Fasha's Chocolates, and Power Station Events. For tickets, go to wnprheart2heart.org. wnprheart2heart.org. This cookbook came in, and I grabbed it. I thought, wow, this is interesting. Somebody has done something quite extraordinary, and I'm talking about Ronnie Lundy. She has done this book called Vittles. And it's spelled, it looks like victuals, <laughs> but only some Yankees would say that, I think. We're, we're talking about a vittles as it's known in Appalachia and or Appalachia. So Ronnie Lundy is with us, and she is going to talk about the mountain, the Appalachian mountain culture mm. and the food that comes from there. We're talking about Kentucky and West Virginia and Virginia and the beautiful, beautiful food that can come from this region. Ronnie is from Corbin, Kentucky and has been chronicling the people in southern Appalachia for a long, long time. She's a cookbook author, has been doing recipes and other cookbooks. And here she is on the show. Welcome to the Food Schmooze Party. Oh, thank you all for having me. This is great. It's really great to have you with us, too. So for people who've who've never been, do you say Appalachia or Appalachia? Either pronunciation is technically correct, 
but in the southern Appalachians, we say Appalachia. If you're, you know, from this part of the country where where we are, in the Northeast, Uh and you've never been there, what would you say represents the mountain food? The best way I can describe it is people have become very familiar with southern food in the last 10 years or so. There's just been a strong resurgence of interest in southern food, which is based on the garden and uses pork not just as a center of the table, meat, but as a seasoning, lots of corn and cornbread in it. So the mountain foodways are southern food in those respects, but the Appalachian Mountains, southern Appalachians, differ from the rest of the South in that we have winter, and we have a much shorter growing season, and we have much colder weather. So we do a lot of preserving. We do a lot of slow-cooking, winter-type foods that come in. We're famous for our country ham mm-hmm. in, this, in this area. And we're less famous than the rest of the South for something like barbecue, because when you slaughtered a hog in the mountains, you were going to eat from that animal for the rest of the winter. So you didn't invite everybody over for a big meal. You invited everybody over to help you cut the pieces up, salt and put it away, make bacons, make things like sausage. And then... You also did the same thing with the fruits of your garden mm-hmm. and the orchard. This is kind of funny, Ronnie, because as I was looking at your book, I thought to myself, we are so similar in yep. in our food in the Northeast, in New England, right. and your food in Appalachia, in the mountains. Yes. We have the same kind of issues in terms of length of growing mm-hmm. season, not quite as short as yours. But let's start with one. This is one I know that comes from your mother in a way. This is Cole Cannon. Right. She, she used to she used to want mashed potatoes on the table. Right. Yeah. My mother had I don't want to say strict, but we ate kale. Again, this is another one of those climate and geographic things. Deeper in the south, people eat a lot of collards. Collards grow best in a longer, hotter season with sandy soil. But we ate a lot of kale in the mountains and turnip greens and mustard greens added in with the kale to spike it up. And my mother would low simmer that whatever greens with some pork on the back of the stove until it became very silky, almost mm-hmm. silky tender. And then that's what would be the main dish for dinner with cornbread. But you always had mashed potatoes and you always had a raw onion. She wouldn't have dreamed of putting those greens on the table without a pot of mashed potatoes and onions. She went so far as to instruct you to put a little of the greens and the potato on your fork at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. She, she knows what... Oh, yeah. <laughs> what this, she knew what was good. She yeah. knows good. So, so this is a kind of Irish stew that has exactly. kale and butter and green cabbage and onion and garlic, a bay leaf, ground mace, ground white pepper, ground mustard, cayenne pepper, a little bit of light beer, chicken broth, red skin potatoes, some heavy cream, and some bacon. Imagine all this bacon and greens and onions sitting on top of these mashed potatoes. It's sort of like a a bacon shepherd's pie somehow, you know, I mean, without that meat in there. So, So very cool. Very, very cool. Now, I noticed that in cultures around the world, because where their potatoes are grown, everybody seems to fry up or roast somehow shredded potatoes. And that's how we got latkes. And that's how we got something that you have in your book here, Roasty. Right. One of the things that I wanted to do with this book was bust up the myth 
that Southern Appalachia is a monoculture. One of the things that you hear said a lot is that we're all Scotch-Irish in descent, and Mm. that is totally not true. We do have a lot of Scotch-Irish people who came, but there was also German and English and French. And then in the beginning of the 19th century, we started having immigrants from the rest of Europe coming into the Appalachians. And so there were several Swedish settlements throughout Appalachia in the 1800s, and one of them still continues in Helvetia, West Virginia. And there is a marvelous restaurant there. Do you guys no, Chef Edward B. Uh, I don't. Oh, my gosh. Get him on this show. He's a delightful human being. Anyway, he is a chef in Louisville, Kentucky, and went with me on the road trips, one of my road trips, and we ended up in Helvetia. He, I think, thought that I was totally endangering his life because you wind down a mountain with coal trucks coming back at you. Oh, wow. We land at this little Swiss restaurant, and, um, Swiss. and it was marvelous, and everything that we ate there was wonderful, but these fried potatoes were beyond compare. And it's hard to make, I mean, I don't know if you can make a bad fried potato, right? (laughs) No, that's so true. (laughs) But it helps to have something you call clabber, which is a chive and caper sauce for these fried potato cakes, roasty. That was very good to see. I'm just going to fly through some things here so that you know what's in this book, although it is posted at our website, the roasty recipe is there. The Cole Cannon recipe is on our site. In the book, uh, though not posted, is buttermilk cornbread soup. Ooh, and as we've so been good. talking about oh, soups yeah. on the show, <laughs> mm-hmm. that is if one... you hadn't mentioned that, I was going to. <laughs> okay, that, that is really pretty, pretty so great. Yummy. There's a rabbit confit. There's a chili in here. I want to get, though, to your slow cooker roasted pork shoulder. That is a beautiful piece of the pig right there, the I pork read that shoulder. Last night. Yeah. yeah, good, huh? Yeah. We love our slow cooker here on the show. So, uh, salt and pepper, the pork shoulder, or some people call it the butt, and you want the bone in because of the flavor. Yes, so, then you've got some apple cider vinegar and some sorghum syrup which is a very interesting idea, yellow onion and a little bit of cornstarch for thickening. Very glad to see that it's not flour. I'm, I'm beginning to not understand why people are using flour as a thickener at all. Why would you? Um, so simple, all into the slow cooker. Do you brown the meat first? Yes, you do. You know, this is one of the keys to this cuisine, which is that People were often using an inexpensive cut of meat, mm-hmm. and what it's seasoned with is largely thyme. And I don't mean the herb thyme. I mean T-I-M-E. You're browning that meat. You're having salt and pepper. You're having a little bit of these aromatics added to the broth. But what's really happening is the meat is seasoning itself. It's in that slow cooker. It's at a low temperature. Before the days of slow cookers, it would have been on the back of the stove, covered in a pot while you Mm. went about your work. And as time goes by, I guess we should cut into music here, right? The sinew of the meat begins to break down, and I think it's probably collagen, Mm -hmm. adds flavor. The bone adds some substance and strength to it, and the fat that's on the meat seasons it as well. It becomes, it's alchemical. 
You know, it's the way that magicians used to try to take a base metal and turn it into gold. That's what happens with this inexpensive cut of meat when you give it that kind of time. Can I say something, though, because the Blue Ridge Mountains... There are people there where you are who pasture the pigs. They raise them humanely. They raise heritage breed Mm -hmm. pigs. So the flavor of that pork has got to be just out of this world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the great things about the slow food movement, the sustainable food movement, we're becoming wiser about the ingredients that you have. And that used to be a hard part of explaining this food to people, because if you start with a flavorless piece of meat or a watery pork that's been fattened totally on corn and doesn't have muscle, doesn't have all those things going for it, you're not going to get the same incredible flavor that I grew up eating the foods that were raised in my family. So what do we do? People are busy. They don't always have time to go to farm stands. Chris, what do we do to come as close as we can to what I just described? I guess you go to a local farm if you can. Or you go to a butcher shop or a supermarket that has a good meat case and you start asking, you know, do you have anything? A lot of places are starting to see, bring in local meats and stuff because if it's USDA uh, slaughtered, you can sell it in supermarkets and stuff. It's not a lot, but every once in a while you do find it. You do. And you look for, I mean, you can also look at the meat itself. And sometimes I find we have a grocery that caters somewhat to the Latino population in the mountains. And I find really good cuts of meat there because a lot of times they're the ones that, you know, I like this pork shoulder that has the bone and the fat and those things still attach because that's how people still cook. Yeah. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for highlighting the region you're from and and for doing this book. And that recipe that we just mentioned for the pork roast is on our website, foochmoose.org. And her book is called, it looks like Victuals, but it's pronounced Vittles uh, in the mountains. So thank you so, so much, Ronnie, for doing what you do. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you all so much for having me. Take care. We're on WNPR Thursdays at 3 and Saturdays at noon. Weekdays, listen for my 60-second food schmoozes and never eat more than you can lift. In New Haven, I'm Faith Middleton. Thanks for listening to the podcast on your schedule. And when you need a little party in your life, we're here and online all the time at foodschmooze.org. And of course, also on Facebook at Faith Middleton Foodschmooze.